Hello and welcome to you wherever you're watching or listening to this. My name is Reverend Aidan Watson and I'm the curate at Christchurch in Downend. Uh, today I'm going to be recording uh, or re-recording a sermon I preached yesterday morning in our services on the 11th of April 2021 uh, and it's because we had some technical difficulties yesterday. The sound didn't quite work so we I've been asked to re-record this uh, and so here we are. But just a reminder also that we uh, release podcasts every Sunday we have our sermon uh, get released. You might be listening to it on the Learning to Live the Life podcast channel uh, or you might be watching on YouTube. Alternatively, you, just so you know, we have episodes that we release of our podcast which are more discussion based, which we try and release once every month. We've had a couple of months off because I had some time off from a back injury and then also uh, Easter kind of got in the way. Um, but yeah, we hopefully should have a new episode of that coming out on the 1st of May and I'm excited as to what we can do there. But our reading today is from John 20 uh, and we're starting at verse 11. Uh, it might be helpful for you to, if you have an app or uh, if you have a Bible to have it open uh, as we go through this morning. But yeah, John 20, starting at verse 11. But Mary, that's Mary Magdalene, stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell him where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them what, that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he would said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw this and saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. 
Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miracles, miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So welcome again uh, for this uh, kind of re-recording of the sermon. This morning I'm beginning, I'm recording it in the morning, whenever you're listening to this, uh, I'm beginning a new series that we're doing at Christchurch. So far this year we've had two series of sermons. Uh, We started the year, our starting place, with with our questions and our queries and our worries. Uh, We had a series called Honest Questions uh, and we looked at the things that many of us are struggling with now and throughout the last year. Then we kind of shifted perspective and starting place as we walked with Jesus through the wilderness during Lent. And there our perspective and our starting place was with Jesus. We looked at his journey, his experiences, and then tried to make sense of the world. And then for this series, uh, we're going to kind of bring those two starting places together. We're calling it Learning to Live His Risen Life. Uh, you know, and our our vision statement as a church is learning to live the life. It's the name of our podcast as well, learning to live the life. And we're going to be focusing on that last word of that statement. What kind of life are we learning to live? Well, it's a risen life. It's a life of resurrection power. Uh, it's life in all its fullness. It's a life of intimacy. It's an eternal life. It's a life of fruitfulness, being led by the Spirit, and it's a life of witness. And these are all topics and headings that we're going to be covering over the next few weeks in our services. Uh, But this morning, we're going to be looking at the idea of faith, that we are learning to live a life of faith, faith in the risen Jesus. But I don't know about you, but but learning to have faith sounds a bit like an oxymoron to me. An oxymoron being one of those words you learn in English uh, lessons as a kid that, uh, you know, they're opposites, but they put together like deafening silence or clearly confused is my favourite. So learning to have faith. How can we learn to have faith? You know, I remember about 10 years ago now, I watched the film Angels and Demons and uh, Tom Hanks' character speaks to a priest and uh, the priest says, do you have any faith in God? And he says, well, faith is a gift I'm yet to have received. And I don't know why that stuck with me, but there's some truth in that. Uh, You know, Tom Hanks is saying that that he's yet to receive the gift of faith but therefore he doesn't have faith, and and that I don't agree with. But the idea that faith is a gift is certainly true, and and, and a gift that we don't all have. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists the different gifts of the Holy Spirit, and one of them is the gift of faith. Now, I know people who have this gift of faith. Uh, I, I think it appears in different ways, but one way in which I've noticed it is... These people who are gifted with this kind of gift, spiritual gift of faith, when times get tough, uh, when the road gets really rocky, um, maybe just their own experiences or experiences of, of a church or whatever, in those times, these people, their first reaction is to trust God. Their first reaction is to rely on God and have faith in him. And they're amazing people and they're a gift to the church. Uh, but personally, I don't think I have that gift. 
Personally, it's a, it's a spiritual gift I don't think I have. I have some gifts. That's not one of them. Uh, personally, when I come up against struggles and I find things tough, my gut reaction is not initially to trust God. Actually, I find that something really hard. I find faith really hard in those times. For me, I think faith is more like a muscle. I have a faith muscle, uh, a trust muscle, and it's a muscle that I can work on. As with all muscles, we can train them, we can develop them, we can build them up, we can have them built up by others. And faith, I think, is a bit like this. And that's the idea I want us to think of as we turn to John chapter 20. Now, John 20 um, was the assigned reading by the Church of England lectionary. Uh, we're going to be following the lectionary week by week during this series. But the actual assigned reading started at verse 19, which is a bit later than I started just then. It's the story of Jesus appearing to his disciples uh, when Thomas wasn't there and then appearing again when Thomas is there. And it's where Thomas gets his nickname, which I'm sure you'll know, is Doubting Thomas. Now, this is a passage I've read lots, I've heard preached quite a few times, but I've always had a bit of a nagging feeling about Doubting Thomas and, and the way he's portrayed. Uh, I've had a nagging feeling that I don't really like it. Because firstly, I always thought that Thomas is pretty harshly treated. You know, yes, he doubted that Jesus had risen, but that's of course really understandable, isn't it? You know, doubting is only natural. We don't see people raised from the dead very often. But secondly, if we read these verses uh, in isolation, it feels like the disciples are being praised and Thomas is being singled out and kind of criticised by Jesus. But that, that interpretation kind of has always felt a bit unsatisfactory to me because, well, if we read it, Thomas doesn't doubt any more than the rest of them do. You know, it says in verse 20, after Jesus appeared amongst them, that he showed him his hands and the scar on his side where the Roman, uh, had, Roman soldier had pierced his side to prove that he was dead. And also the scars in his hand where he was nailed to the cross. And then, after seeing this, it says that the disciples believe and are overjoyed that they have seen the Lord. So they only believe once they've seen Jesus as well. And the rest of the disciples are perhaps uh, no more doubting, uh, or the, sorry, they're no less doubting than Thomas is. Thomas is just one of the doubting disciples. But even with this understanding, I still have problems with it because it's Jesus criticising them for doubting. Is he telling Thomas and the other disciples off for not having enough faith? It says, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed. You know, I read those words and thought, yeah, great. That's great. I'd love to believe without seeing. And I'd love to have just this gift of faith. But it's not a gift that you've given me. It's not a spiritual gift that I have. Um, is that If that's the case, if you haven't given me a gift, is it such a bad thing that I doubt? You know, I know lots of people who have drawn strength from doubting Thomas uh, and, and they find strength that, you know, he was included in one of the disciples, even though he doubted. But I also know people uh, who might feel judged by Jesus for doubting, you know, doing something that is quite natural and quite understandable and they feel judged by Jesus's words. But actually, I want to say this morning, or whenever we're listening to this, I get into the habit of saying this morning when I'm preaching, uh, I want to say that the um, 
I don't think this is what this passage is saying at all. I think actually the lectionary does us a disservice here when it cuts the reading of John 20 in half and it starts only at verse 19. Because actually when I read the whole of John 20, it became clear that faith and seeing and believing is a common theme throughout the whole of the chapter. And actually we have to look at the other characters in the story to understand Jesus' words. Because if we go back to the beginning of John 20, it starts with Mary Magdalene discovering Jesus' tomb had been tampered with. She sees the stone rolled away. She 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 fears and worries and she runs off and finds uh, John and Peter and she tells them they've taken my Lord away. And then Peter run and Peter and John run to the tomb. They have a bit of a running race and Peter goes inside the tomb and he sees that the body is gone. Then verse 8 says that John also went inside, he saw and believed. So he's seeing and believing. I'm not entirely sure what he's believing though. Uh, I don't think he's actually believing that Jesus had risen from the dead because verse 9, the very next verse, says that, um, uh, that actually they didn't understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead. I think actually the believing he's doing here is that John is believing Mary's testimony that they someone has taken away Jesus's body, that Jesus's uh, tomb had been tampered with. Uh, sadly, in those times, it would be noteworthy for a man to believe the testimony of a woman. So Peter and John leave. Uh, in verse 10 and they're not mentioned again in the rest of the story but the story focuses once more on Mary because she goes into the tomb she looks and she recognizes the presence of angels in that place and she has a discussion with them now remember we're looking for faith in this story now earlier in verse 2 Mary had said they've taken my lord away they've taken the lord away sorry and then in verse 13 she's talking to the angels and she said They've taken away my Lord. She calls him Lord consistently. She calls him Lord because she still has faith. She still believes that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. She has what I would call this spiritual gift of faith. She believes even when times are getting rough and others are walking away and leaving. And then she sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognise him initially. But then Jesus calls her by name and says, Mary. And hearing this, she cries out, Rabboni, which means my teacher. Now, look again. She is not seeing Jesus, but yet she is still believing. She just hears his name. Hears, hears, her, hears him call her name, and she believes. She, Comparing her to the doubting disciples who had to see Jesus' body and see his wounds and his scars, Mary doesn't have to do that. She believes, and then when she sees and knows that Jesus has, is there and hears him call her by name, she, her faith is confirmed, and she knows that he has risen from the dead. So then we get to verse 18, which I think is really important for us to understand. Because Jesus says to Mary, go and tell the disciples. And in verse 18, it says that Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And then she told them that he'd said these things to her. So she goes and she tells them her testimony. She tells them all the things that Jesus had done in that moment. She tells them that Jesus had called her by name, that he was risen from the dead. But what's missing from their response? There's no faith. There's no belief uh, on the back of her testimony. 
They don't believe because of hearing her words. They have to wait to see Jesus for themselves. So in verse 29, when Jesus says, you, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Does that mean he's telling the disciples off? Well, I don't think so. Uh, that would kind of go against the fact that Jesus then breathes the Holy Spirit on them uh, and has commissioned these people to go and plant the church and, and change the world, which they did. No, I don't think he's telling Thomas and the other disciples off. But what he is doing is he's saying, blessed is the one who has not be- who has not seen and yet has believed. Blessed is Mary Magdalene. And then G- John's message for us is to not make the same mistake as the disciples. The disciples ignored Mary's testimony. Don't make that mistake. You know, for too long, I think the church around the world has, has kind of disregarded Mary Magdalene and focused on other people and other characters. Mary the Magdalene or Mary of Magdala. Magdala being a place, but in Hebrew, that word Magdala means, uh, means tower. Uh, is a word of strength and security you know names are really important in the bible the meanings of names are very very important they were uh, in the old testament but they were in the new testament as well you know peter a lot of us will know that peter's name means rock uh, and jesus says on this rock i will build my church after peter says that he is the messiah But just as we can have faith in the rock of Peter's uh, conviction that Jesus is the Messiah, so too we can have security in the strong tower that is Mary's faith. In Mary's testimony, we can place our, our hope and our faith in the words that she says here and the words that Jesus uh, and the truth that Jesus reveals to her. It's why John straight away goes after this and he, he, he says in verse 30 the reason for writing the whole gospel but certainly the reason for writing this passage. It says Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. You being the reader and, and therefore being us. We all can have faith. We can all have strengthen our faith muscles and learn to live a life of faith in the risen Jesus. Faith that is for all, uh, including those who don't have the spiritual gift of faith. We can all do that through believing the testimony of Mary Magdalene and of the other testimonies in this book that is the Bible. One of the uh, one of the ways in which we can also strengthen our faith is by by listening to the testimonies of other people. You know, God has been at work in in the, in New Testament and Old Testament times. God was at work, and we have that written account. But but Jesus is risen today, just as much as he was risen back then, and he's still at work, and he's still changing people's lives. You know, of course we have to test people's testimonies. When when someone comes and brings us a testimony, we don't necessarily accept it blindly. We're not called to have blind faith. Uh, but we can, you know, we can listen to them. And I actually, I think God is calling us uh, to hear the testimonies of people and believe them. Maybe God is, is saying that we need to hear the testimonies of people who we generally wouldn't listen to. You know, people we might disregard in the same way that the male disciples disregarded Mary the Magdalene. 
And so to finish, I thought it'd be really good to listen to a testimony of another young woman uh, called Bronte. It's a, it's a video I came across this week on Facebook, uh, and it's her sharing her testimony. Uh, and I thought it'd be really good for us to listen to this. And my prayer this morning, or today, is that Bronte's testimony of God at work in her life might inspire and build up your faith as much as it already has done mine. In 2014, I signed up with a Christian missionary organisation called OM to get out to Moldova on a two-week trip to help local churches uh, run children's camps and distribute food uh, to those most in need, just all with the aim of sharing the love of Jesus. And actually, at the time, that team was headed up by Matthew and Helen Skirton, who used to go to ALC. Um, but a couple of days before the trip, and then particularly on the day we travelled, I just didn't feel right, I felt quite dodgy and from, particularly on the drive actually from the airport to the centre in Chisinau, I just was, I just didn't want to be there, I was trying to contemplate ways that I could potentially get home or you know stop the trip because I just didn't want to be part of it anymore. But one thing I really remember was looking out the window of the car and seeing the word stay graffitied on the side of a bus shelter and I don't know what that meant in that language or if it was just graffiti, but it spoke so directly to my heart. And it was God just quietening that, all that noise and just saying, I've got you exactly where I want you. And that was kind of a bit of a um, foreshadow for the whole trip, to be honest. Because after a couple of days of training, we then travelled to a little village called Doina, which was three hours from Kishina, which is the centre of Moldova. And this, um, in this village, we were running the children's camps um, in the mornings and helping people in the afternoon. And on one particular morning, I woke up at bang on eight o'clock in the morning and just in a lot of pain. And um, actually, at the same time in England, my mum woke up um, and felt like God was saying, you need to pray for Bronte. But we didn't have contact at the time, so I didn't know this till later. And but I went about my day, we, went, we did the kids' camp in the morning, and then but at lunchtime we came back and I just needed to lie down, I wasn't okay. And over the next few hours my pain dramatically increased and people were praying for me that that just didn't seem to shift anything. So the team leaders took the decision to call the pastor of the village, who had the only car in the village, to ask if he could drive us to the hospital, which was an hour away, because they wanted to get this checked out. Um, and on the way to the hospital in the car, I lost consciousness, I wasn't, um, I don't remember the journey at all. And then when we got there, they were just running more and more tests to work out what was going on. I um, called my parents, we were calling doctors, just to decide, you know, what the course of action should be really. And a lot of people were trying to tell me that we needed to get back to Chisinau, three hours drive away to be at the main hospital in Moldova. But I just had this um, real peace that this was the hospital I needed to be in. And so then, eventually, it was decided that I would stay there and um, they'd look after me overnight and then if anything would show up, I was exactly where I needed to be and if it didn't, then I'd join the team the next day. When we got upstairs to the ward, it did really become clear that this wasn't a hospital, you know, that I recognised that I was used to. And that could have been quite scary. Um, you know, Moldova is one of the poorest countries in Europe and I was there, we were three hours away in this remote town from the capital. But 
I had this unreal peace still that this was where God wanted me, that this is where we needed to be. And I was sharing this with Olia, who was one of our translators, who was allowed to stay with me in hospital. And she challenged me and she said, if a doctor came in and said, we need to operate on you, would you still say that? And I thought about it for a second and said, yeah, I do. I just feel this peace. I, if they came and said that, I'd be okay. And then that minute, <laughs> the doctor walked in and said, the tests have come back, your appendix has burst, and we need to do emergency surgery on you now. Um, and then there was a moment a few, I mean, a few minutes later where I was in this dark room signing this document which was in Romanian and I didn't understand with Olia and a doctor. And the doctor said to Olia, why is she not screaming and crying? Why is she so calm? And it was because God still was giving me this indescribable peace. Um, I then walked to my operation. I put on a stained hospital gown. I had to give Olia my glasses so I couldn't see anything. And then I was strapped down to the operating table and I just started to sing. I sang the song, um, Bless the Lord, O oh My Soul. And there's a verse in that song that says, and on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending, 10,000 years and then forevermore. And that was just so real to me in that moment because I thought that was it. I thought this was the moment I was, my life was ending, that I was gonna die. But I was praising God because I was completely peaceful that this was his plan. And because of that, then when I woke up, I was so shocked. I just remember the sunlight streaming through the trees out of my window and I was so confused why I was there. And I did battle with that actually over the next few days, but just one reason for it all became so clear because Olia, who was still with me at this point, was able to share her testimony with two women in the ward. She was able to give her Bible to another lady. And then another lady saw Olia praying for me and asked if Olia would pray for her too. I mean, I just marvel at the whole story because it's absolutely ridiculous really that God would take me to Moldova in a tiny village to remove my appendix all to tell four women that he loved them and died for them. I mean, like, how cool would that be if I met them in heaven? Um, yeah, I love it so much. And the experience for me as a whole has just been one of those markers for me to look back on. See, I struggle with fibro. Um, I've got fibromyalgia and I've suffered with chronic back pain for 12 years um, plus. And when you've got something like that, there are big lows. And in the deepest valleys for me, I have this experience to look back on and say, I know God is real. And I know the Holy Spirit still works because there is no other way I would have experienced such peace. And it also means I can say, I woke up. Like God has a plan for my life that meant I didn't die. Um, and just that peace I experienced really was the peace that he promises, the peace that surpasses all understanding. This moment's great, isn't it? So there we go. That's uh, our testimony from Bronte. I really hope that has encouraged you as much as it did me. Uh, 
the eagle-eyed of you, if you're watching this, may have noticed me in one of her pictures. Actually, I was one of the student pastors uh, who took that group and one of the leaders of that trip out to Moldova. Uh, and maybe if you <laughs> see me, ask me about my experiences on that time, because that was an incredible moment. Bronte's faith there, uh, her gift of faith, certainly inspired mine. Uh, but for now, let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for this chance to dig into your word. Lord, help us to have faith. Thank you so much for those who are gifted with the spiritual gift of faith and how their gift, uh, as with all spiritual gifts, can build us up, build up the church. But Lord, I pray for anyone this morning who is doubting, uh, who is having questions. Lord, I pray that you would give them your peace. You would give them that peace that transcends understanding, just like Bronte was talking about, just like the peace you gave to your disciples, your doubting disciples. Lord, help us, help me to have more faith in your risen life and help us to live this risen life this year and onwards. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.